0: Welcome to Ballers with Babies, I'm Mark Willard. Today we know so much about what athletes and sports personalities do, but not so much about who they are, what makes them tick, what's life like the moment the stadiums and TV cameras go dark. Most go home to their families. We want to know what that after-hours experience is like. Ballers with Babies explores their upbringing, their home life, how it's affected by their high-profile job, and how that high-profile job is affected by the home life. On Ballers with Babies, we talk to some of the most interesting names in sports and find out how they're even more interesting than we realized. And don't worry, Die Hard fan, we'll get to the important sports questions as well. This is your favorite people like you've never heard them before. I hope you enjoy. Okay, Ballers with Babies, Tim Flannery, let's get him in here. Longtime baseball man, player, coach, now a musician, always been a musician, and by the way, a guy who really, I, I love this about you, you, you get after it on social media. That's what really drew me uh, to you, I think, even more than just being a fan of you on the baseball front. You you don't hold back here in 2018, do you?
1: Well, I, it's hard for me to politically, and, and, and I, I actually tell people it's not about politics. It's more about morality for me because I run a Love Harder project. It's called the loveharderproject.org. It's an anti-violence, anti-bullying organization. and. Uh, the normalization of, uh, of bullying and, 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 and really the rhetoric of the language of uh, the way people are treating each other these days, uh, I think our organization is, is – uh, we're very busy, let's just say that, yeah. with, uh, <laughs> with, with, with the way uh, the climate of, of, of the, the administration that's in place now treats people.
0: Yeah, I get it completely. Let's uh let's get the essence along with that of of what really makes you tick at your core. What what is your first love? Baseball, music, what is it? Right, yeah,
1: that's that's a question that I've had uh, asked me uh, probably my whole life. And I would always come right back and say, "Okay, now you have to choose what do you want? Water or air?" <laughs> <laughs> because I got I gotta have both of them, you know. I, I, I it, it, my whole life, every in fact, my it, my history is that if you go back to the, like 1960, my uncle is Hal Smith of, of the Pittsburgh Pirates. He yeah. had this huge home run in Game Seven, the Yankees tied it in the ninth, and then Mazeroski hit the big one. But he also was a songwriter and carried a guitar. Everybody in my family plays. My, my my younger brother sings opera in three languages and is a music teacher. So um and i got 13 rec CDs out records out so uh it it's uh especially now i mean now that i'm on the other end of it where i'm just talking about the game of baseball uh the music has really taken a uh, uh, you know a, a nice place in our lives
0: did that get you through especially the days in the in the minors or even heck the majors i mean i i've been on the bus leagues up in the northwest league and i know that you know there's a lot of travel there's a lot of downtime uh, you know, were were, were you and your guitar? I would imagine pretty good friends those times.
1: Yeah, that guitar's got as many miles on it as I have. You know, I travel, <laughs> I travel with it all the time, all the way through the minor leagues, but also all the way through the major leagues. And I like to write songs I'm a songwriter, and a lot, of, most of the most of the songs I write are about uh, characters or or things that happen to you out there on the road, or the people that you meet out there on the road. Uh, there's not songs aren't like baseball songs in the sense of, you know, the historical baseball metaphors that I know there's a great guy named Chuck Broski that, that sings that sings baseball songs like that. Mine are more about what happened while I was out there and who I met and, uh, we've been doing it a long time
0: you know especially for musicians i i, I like to kind of explore where their head is at whenever you're playing you know my wife is a uh, is actually a meditation teacher practitioner do do you find music to be in in some sort of a way a, a form of meditation
1: i think it's even more of a form of prayer i think it's more of a uh, of a, you know the old sin being in the moment for sure because if if not you're not going to be able to get through the you know it's it's a very important place to get to, but I I do believe that the songs come from another place, and and when I sing them, uh, there's a lot of a lot of prayer goes into it, and even before we hit the stage, my band will will will, uh, will pray for the the great translator, the Holy Spirit, to take whatever we say, whatever we sing, and change it and stick it in the people's hearts who need it any way they need it. So we got to. Think it's an important deal what we're doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. Um, there's no question about it. All right, let let's back up and get kind of the picture of your family. You have three kids, right? How how old are they? Two daughters and a son.
1: Yeah, I've got a, an older son, thirty-three, 33, uh, a 30 year old, a daughter, a 28 year old daughter. Uh, I got two grandchildren as well. So you know, we're uh, we're really enjoying being grandparents with the with the young the young ones
0: amazing and you know we talk about artistry uh expression whether it be through sport through music uh artists i think are such passionate people especially about their art and therefore i think it can be tough for people like that to learn how to balance family how much of a challenge has that been for you through your life
1: no not too much my family's always number one it's it's uh, one of the reasons i I quit as a coach after the third world championship in 2014. I just, I didn't like who I was becoming. It was say it's a very demanding schedule. It's a very, I did it 26 years in the big leagues and a whole bunch of times, you know, through the minor leagues as well. Uh, it, it was just time for me. I felt I was sacrificing too much of who I was, uh, to be who I need to be, uh, so I, I quit and came home. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know what I was going to start doing television. I only hit nine home runs, mm. so it's not like I <laughs> had a lot of money that I could just retire on, you know. But I just knew that I didn't want to be that guy anymore, and uh, uh, and, and most of it was because of my relationship with my my wife and my children and my family and 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 my health. So uh, it. it, it I don't. I've always been able to balance it, and when I couldn't balance it, I chose my family.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm interested in that. You see, you didn't, you didn't like who you were becoming. What, what was it? I mean, we see, you know, third base coach, Giants. You guys were winning World Championships. What, what was happening that was causing you know something, uh, you know, controversial or, or negative within you?
1: Well, it's the demand. It's the demand of what the schedule and demand of the winning. I mean, we, we played it, you know, in a ballpark that's sold out every single night. Uh, it, it's a, it is a lot of, you know, the, the game's great. I mean, if I could just have like the three-hour game every night, it would be great. But you got to get there. You got to scout. You got to coach. You got to – and you better win because if you don't win, they're going to throw you out. So we win one World Series and after they've never won ever in San Francisco, and it's, you know, the demand, do it again, do it again. I'm thinking, what do you mean do it again? You guys never won ever. We just gave you (laughs) one. So now we win another one. And then you hear, do it again. And then after we won the third one, and they go, I get off the bus, and they go, two months, till pitchers and catchers, you know, I go, I'm not doing it again. I go, you guys do it again. I'm out of here. It's 162 games or 180 days. It's great. It's a beautiful game. It's a sacred game. Uh, it's an opportunity to make some money uh, for the players uh, and the manager. The coaches are the ones that kind of are in balance of it all. Uh, it, it's uh, there's, a, there's collateral damage that comes along with it. You know, I, I buried three or four of my best friends and great ball players, uh, names you would know, along the way uh, because of. You know, the lifestyle itself and and, and the, the collateral damage of some of the things we've already talked about, about yeah. not being home, about being on the road. So, uh, I don't miss any of it. <laughs> I don't miss any of it at this point, you know. Hey. Uh, I think, I, you know, I've done it long enough. I, 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 I coached. I played. There's not really anything else I wanted to do. I didn't want to manage. I was, uh, as a third-base coach, it's like you're playing so uh, I, I think I, I always say I was cl- as close to the fire as I wanted to get coaching third base, and when it was time to go, I just felt like, look, I I've been to five World World Series, I've you know got twenty five World Series games under my belt. We won three of them. I, what else, you know? It's, I needed, I wanted to be something else. I wanted to, I didn't want to have a game every single day.
0: Is it too long? Are there too many games? There is when you hit sixty. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. You didn't. You didn't feel that way when you were playing, though. No, not at all. You. You don't even know.
1: But you, but you don't even know anything else going on. You know, my my last year, my my nephew in in spring training, his wife got pregnant. I didn't even know she was pregnant. Hmm. And by the end of the, before the World Series was over, she had a baby. I mean, the season so long, you could get pregnant carry a human the whole year and then have a baby. So it was like, Jesus is a long season. And it's the only thing it's the, only, you don't even think about anything else. You don't even know there's a world around you. You just, all you care about is the is the daily grind in the game and, and preparing for that night, preparing for that, op- that opponent. Um, Yeah, there's, I just couldn't, you know, the, the thought of having to wake up and, not have another game, it's, it, it's kind of nice. I'm really enjoying uh, this side of it.
0: In what way did those three championships with the Giants allow you to make that decision? In other words, if you hadn't won those three, do you think you would have continued to chase?
1: I don't think I would have because I don't think we would have stayed there. Boach and I went up to San Francisco with two year with a two-year contract and no guarantees in yeah. 2007. And, uh, you know, we wouldn't have, uh, we, we were kind of Brought in to put a ball club together, a team together after Barry Bonds left. we were they, they wanted us to create that, and I think we did a fine job of that And with with, uh, with getting the, the, the team and the, the way Boach manages. So, uh, you know, if we went to one, we probably wouldn't have been there as long as we did. It's just the nature of the game, and it's also the nature of that demand playing in a ballpark where it's sold out every single night for a historic organization that, uh, you know, demands winning.
0: Uh, I know you and Boach have been so close for years and a lot of what you're sitting here telling me about you. I, I wonder how it applies to him. How much longer do you think he wants to do this?
1: Well, I, I, well, he's got one more year left on a contract and he's, you know, so he's not going to leave. I mean, and they owe him a lot of money. So he's not walking away from that. Uh, but I, I, I'm I myself. Would, I, it's hard to it's hard to uh, assume anything that he's gonna do because he's never had a break. You know, I I, I was out of it two other times, uh, and I had a little break, and then I would come back. He hasn't. He's never had a break. And, and what he says, because he I'm not like you. I don't have other things that I love to do. And <laughs> if I didn't manage. All I would want to do is manage. So he goes. Even if I went home and I was done, all I would want to do is manage. So, you know, that's that's a different that's a different that's a different guy.
0: Uh, the band, uh, the band that you play with, the Lunatic Fringe. Where's the name come from?
1: Well, it's the same band we've had for 20 years. I mean, it, it used to be my wife used to say, you go from that baseball team with that damn band. I go, right. Mean, that's not the name of the band. And uh, so we were that damn band for a while. And then she, she said, well, I don't even have it. You know, I don't have a drink of anything until you guys show up. And then I start drinking all this wine. I go, so we were the enablers for like four years. So when we went, when we went to San Francisco, I remember Brian Sabian, uh, He'd had enough of the people calling in and telling him to trade people and do this and that and he just in his his crazy Irish mind said, I wish the lunatic friends would just stay out of it. Right. So I I knew that the people knew that when I went to the Bay Area, so it was a it was an easy fit. <laughs> and plus it's like I'm the only normal one in the band. That just goes to show you it's pretty good <laughs> thing for it's a pretty good name for what we got
0: going. Musicians aren't normally normal, are they?
1: You know what? It's funny you say that because that's what I, when I was working for MLB Network, I on television said, I'll challenge uh, either a manager in either league to manage the Lunatic Fringe because <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I go, if I get them on stage, I know I'm winning that night. <laughs> but there's a lot of times they don't even know what city they're in, you know, or, or where they're at. So. It, the uh, the artists are, are are just as difficult as the high maintenance baseball player.
0: Uh, are they family to you?
1: Oh, they're my best friends. They're my best. They're my best friends. My best team I've ever been on. Uh, you know, they're all rock stars who play with John Mayer, Jackson Brown, Neil Young. I mean. They, they, they're they my best friends so they play with me but they also play with those guys uh all the time so um, over the years we we really have a lot of fun together and we've been doing it a long time and uh, they also feel a great responsibility in the what we're doing with the music and what we're doing with the message of uh loving harder and and we raise all the money and give the money away so uh, yeah, they're all on board with what we're doing, and, and uh, we we love. I'm still recovering. We played two nights ago, and then <laughs> we all they come to the house and we listen to records till four in the morning and yell at each other.
0: Wow. <laughs> well, and you got you got a bunch more shows coming up early 2019, and another album coming out, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I like just that's what we did this week too. I I finished my part of the record. Uh, it's called the Light. There's songs of hope on it. There's songs of, of uh, hopefully inspirational spirituality songs that, that uh, we then take the record and we sell it after we really you know we have. And and, and you can, all my music on iTunes and CD Baby, and it's all every cent that that is raised we give to uh, anti violence and and anti bullying and uh, hate. Hate crimes. Uh, We just left a, you know, a check for the. the, We went up, played two nights in Reading for the fire uh, survivors and the people that are affected by the fire. So, uh, it kind of is my ministry, is how I look at it.
0: Uh, You recorded this album at Jason Mraz's studio, right? How how did that come together?
1: Well, the guy I, uh, Jeff Berkeley, is who I who produces my music, but he's also a play. We have played together for. I don't know, 25 years in band. but he's really great. And Jason Mraz loves him. And these guys were all really teachers to Jason Mraz when he was really young here in San Diego. So, uh, he just let Jeff run the, his, his, uh, studio. And so, uh, yeah, we, it, it's pretty amazing to be up there and, uh, to see kind of what kind of a man he's turned into because he believes in a lot of the same type of things that I, I try to get involved with. and uh, So he let us have it for free. Yeah, it's pretty amazing.
0: Okay, quick break to tell you about our sponsor, Green Solar Technologies. You know, summer's over, but you homeowners out there are still having to pay crazy electric bills. Have you thought about solar? I'm sure you've seen a lot of your neighbors and your friends going solar. Maybe it's time you checked it out and discover the incredible savings you'll enjoy when compared to the ever-increasing bills you pay your utility company. Green Solar Technologies has made going solar an easy, game-changing move. Call my guys at Green Solar today at 310-893-0099 to find out if solar makes sense for you. I bet it will. Call 310-893-0099. That's 310 310- 893-0099. Also, GST is growing like crazy and is hiring new ambassadors where with very little effort you can make a ton of money. To check it out further, ask your solar advisor at the 310-893-0099 number or go to greensolar technologies.com slash ambassador for additional info. Continuing with Tim Flannery on the Ballers with Babies podcast. Uh, hey, I got a random thing for you. There's a picture of you that I saw online and you're wearing a sweatshirt that says Papa, uh, the man, the myth, the legend. And yeah. uh, I knew there was something that was going to come together wonderfully for this conversation today because I'm not joking over the weekend. But before I saw that picture, I, I bought that exact same short for my dad for Christmas. My children call him Papa. So I got yeah. to I got to know if there's a significance to that for you.
1: Absolutely, that's how I got it. And they call me Papa. That's the that's the grandpa name. When my family's, from the my family's my dad is from the mountains of Kentucky, and uh, up there in the Appalachians, the grandpas are called Papa.
0: Love it, love it. Now, uh, if I have my math right, uh, your older kids might have been. Are they old enough that they that they saw you play a little bit?
1: Uh, yeah, but I they were young, you know. Uh, they were young. I think when I quit as a player, I was thirty-two, and I played ten years in the big leagues. And I got, you know, I came in, I broke in at twenty-one, and so yeah, they saw a little bit. But uh, I think mainly the they were really more involved with the whole coaching and uh, and and, and they got to be in all three World Series parades. Yeah, pretty cool. And they're, you know, the people they married. So it's been a family thing, and it's. It's uh, it's great that they were a part of that.
0: I have to imagine that their experience with all of this was amazing because you you always have had such a great relationship with the fans. That was true in San Diego and San Francisco, right?
1: Yeah, but you know I really respect anybody, even our fan, even with the music, the people that come out and pay box to watch you, and and you feel this responsibility to to perform for them and give them everything you can give them. So uh, yeah, I've always, I've always believed that's part of what comes with being able to be a part of the great game and the music.
0: I gotta ask you about Brian Stowe. I know that was a part of, of as you said, a lot of this anti-violence uh, campaigning and work that, that you do, which is so wonderful. And for our listeners who may not know about Brian Stowe, Uh, I mean, I was a broadcaster in L.A. when this took place, Uh, Stowe, a Giants fan who after a Dodger game at Dodger Stadium was badly beaten, uh, almost passed away, Uh, sheer will somehow survived and and the incident has really touched so many and I know it really touched you as well. What what was it about that whole thing that that struck you on such a deep level?
1: Well, when we heard about it that day, I knew there was something different at the ballpark and that was when they were everything to los angeles because they were selling it and they had stripped their security department because even coaching third base that day i was i'd heard things and would have things thrown at you at third base that you know just it didn't seem it didn't seem like like it was the same uh, and after the game we heard that that brian had been attacked in the parking lot but it by guys that have been that were doing it, throwing beer and spitting on people since the first inning. So this this went on all during the game because there wasn't security. <clears throat> so uh, uh, after the game, we heard about it as, as a team, and we were all kind of sick sick by it. I, it affected me because I thought about I, I could it could have been me. I mean, he's a paramedic. He is a family man. He's a father. He's a brother. He's a son and uh <clears throat> he had a lot of it taken away from him and uh we got involved just uh, you know i didn't i wasn't doing the love harder project and i wasn't doing but i was still always playing music i always would tour in, in the off seasons and play so uh a, a guy a guy who ran a, uh somebody ran the one that ran the Yoshis and ran the Fox theater. And he knew, he knew me from before and he goes, I know that these guys can do a benefit and we want to do a benefit for him. So they came to me and I was just asked to do what I always do. Come play a show.
0: Yeah.
1: And, but then everybody started coming and everybody started writing checks and we raised like $200,000 for him and his family. Uh, and then a year or or two later,s when we decided, you know, we probably should become a, an official five hundred one three c nonprofit, so it's easier to, to to continue to do this. Because I I felt uh, not only very blessed to be able to do it. Once I met his family, and I realized every single one, everyone of their family, all became full time caregivers the rest of their life after this hate crime because he's still, uh, I mean, he's going out and doing amazing things. He's, he's not speak, he speaks at schools on, on anti-bullying and he, he speaks, it makes the children stand up and take it an out, but he still, you know, can't hardly walk. He's in a wheelchair a lot. Uh, he's got all sorts of, of, uh, health issues. And so, uh, yeah, that's how that all came about and uh but I'm selfishly I, I get a lot from watching how their family uh changed their whole lives and everything that was important to them became secondary after they became full time caregivers and they have not walked away from that responsibility.
0: That's incredible. So I mean you are are you still in touch with them? I had no idea that he was out and about speaking. That that aspect Absolutely. of it, that's wonderful
1: absolutely and he actually in his mind thinks that everything was happened for this for him to be this guy that uh is it's, it's it's such a great program that he has and it's not a process program it's you know it's real and the kids see it that it's real and uh he makes a huge impact wherever he goes he's actually they they're he was flown to go last year to, to go do speeches in Hawaii and all the some of the schools over there. So we still uh, we still raise money for him, and uh, he just won this great award uh, for what he's doing. Uh, they sent him back to Washington D.C. and honored him and gave him a check. And they go, we want you to give this to your favorite charity. And he gave it to our nonprofit, hmm. which was just was beautiful that he's come to this point where he's really getting recognized for what he's doing. But of course, he's not doing it for that reason. He's doing it because he knows there's a, a big need.
0: You know, I I think about situations like that. Fans, uh, we get so passionate about sports, and and on one hand, it's wonderful. It's what's given guys like you and me. Uh, jobs and, and, and something to talk about. Uh, but obviously, there's a line not to cross. What, what, what is that line for you? How passionate is too passionate about sports?
1: Uh, those guys weren't passionate at all. They were thugs. Uh, they are just criminals. They, uh, they, they came that day to do exactly what they did. Um, so I, I don't ever think those people are fans. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, we're the ones on the field, we're the ones doing what we got to do. And uh, I know that happens sometimes, but for the, for the most part, I, I doubt if anybody physically attacks somebody after a game as a fan because there's no players would
0: do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, you're obviously, you're so gifted. Do you think that uh, your music gifts and your baseball gifts are connected in some sort of a way? Are they coming from the same place in any way?
1: I believe so, you know, I've, I've, uh, I'm, I'm a spiritual cat. That was, was always in, uh, I don't want to say I'm always in search, but maybe I'm always in prayer and trying to, to, uh, ask for, you know, to be led and, and to, to serve, to be, um, uh, but it, you know, it's also when I, Hear people say well you know God's in charge you know he's always in charge well he wouldn't be in charge if he didn't work your ass off okay <laughs> so let's start with that now he might be in charge but that's my argument because when people start that on me I'm oh well, then why did we practice all so hard and why did I worry so much if I knew we were gonna win three world championships I mean we had nothing to do with it so uh, I work my butt off and, and musically as well in, in order for me to play with the people I play with. I probably rehearse four hours a day, every day. And, uh, that, that's how you got to do the reps, you know, that in the business, you're in, you got to do the reps, you know, if you don't do it, you can't get better. And, uh, but yeah, I think it's all connected. I think there's a reason that I'm still playing. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know how. how you know, we, we're we're still touring, and and we're not we're not doing a hundred shows, but we're probably doing forty over the year, and and I, we travel, we go up and down the coast, and. Uh, uh, but it, it, for me, it's it's like on my terms, and I really I really enjoyed that.
0: You know, from the the baseball standpoint, what was that 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 work that practice? What was it like? Because you weren't a guy that was. Uh, you know, quote unquote, supposed to make it. You were a grinder.
1: Yeah, and 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 that's like it's mainly just the love because even when I was managing and coaching, uh, you know, if the, if the kids don't absolutely have this obsessive passion for what they're doing, they're not going to be able to deal with the the what comes with it, the, the business side of it, and the, and the wear and tear of it. You got to love it. So I never ever looked at taking 200 ground balls. I never, if I was going to go take 200 ground balls a day as a player, I never felt like it was punishment. I felt like it was the fun of the most fun thing I've ever done. So I think the passion of it is what, uh, is what makes people survive in it or, 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 not love it.
0: All right. Home stretch with Tim Flannery on ballers with babies. Let's uh, let's stick to sports for a few questions. Tim, you sort of alluded to this, uh, a, a few minutes ago, when you talked about you know nine home runs, there's so much focus now on home runs. Could you play today?
1: I could play today, and I'd hit more than nine because <laughs> the balls, the balls tighter, the the the, the, the ball parts are smaller. Uh, but yeah, I think I think gee, I think there's going to be more guys that are going to have to. I'm all about the home run too. I love it too. I love a three run home run. I just think that. When you're putting together uh, eight guys or nine guys in a lineup, depending if it's the National League or the American League, uh, you better have guys that can also understand how to make productive outs because you, you know. And I know somebody up in San Francisco when I was doing TV goes, "Oh, well, that's what we we have to hope. We have to hope for productive outs." I said, "No, no, no. You get 27 outs. You got hmm. you hope for three run home runs. You hope for four hits in a row to, to have a nice rally." But you get twenty seven outs, so why wouldn't you use them? Why wouldn't you if you got a guy on second base you you make sure you hit the ball the other way and then when you get him on third, you make sure you get him in we we won world championships like that and uh, but but you know the 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 home run and and the, all the the metrics of the launch angle and all that stuff uh it's changed it the strikeout is is terrible i don't understand why when you strike out nothing happens right if, if you strike if you if, if you maybe get out and you put the ball in the right place you can move runners and win games uh so and you see in the you know most of the time that might work all during the season but when you get to the playoffs and world series and and uh it's not only you're facing the best pitching in baseball you're you're playing games that it can be very difficult to breathe. There's a lot of a lot of uh, pressure in those games, and you have to be able to do the other things in order to win because it usually comes down to that.
0: Well, I think about it from an entertainment standpoint too. You know, this analytic idea that a strikeout is better than a groundout because a groundout can be a double play or or whatnot. I mean, I think back to that 18 inning World Series game a few you, you know a few months ago and uh, it, like that should have been this epic entertaining game and while it was it was big it wasn't that entertaining in the moment because it was just strikeout 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 to the middle of the night there
1: i think last year too that there was a time where somebody said they were the average was like 12 minutes before a ball was even put in play. Yeah. And you're thinking, you know, as a kid, I used to love watching the ground balls, how the guys would field the ball, how they'd catch it and throw it. Uh, somebody's running down the line. I mean, there's action. And uh, I think it's going to have to get back to that. I really do. Uh, just because that's how you're going to win. I mean, there's, there's no one, you know, I could go on and on about this. It's just, it's just, <laughs> It's just the way that we, I was brought up with, with Dick Williams. We we were, and Poach was the same way. We we played for Dick Williams for five years. And if you didn't do these things, you would be in AAA. He would just send you out. He would just say you're out of here. If you come up with a guy on first base, you got to find a pitch. You got to look for a pitch to hit that hole where the first baseman's holding the runner on. Because if it goes through there, you're going first and third. The key to winning is getting the guy to third base, less than two outs, getting him in with a productive out, or hitting a three-run home run, but you at least want to be able to count on a productive out. And if you didn't uh, hit into a double play because you're hitting the ball in the second base is going away from second base, you'd still move up the runner. So we had to, we had to understand each situation to play for Dick Williams. And I think that is where the game's changed now because it's more, let's just try to launch angle up one out and, and hit a three-run home run, and, which is great if it happens, but you can't always count on it.
0: Well, you know, the Giants have brought in a guy who, who is a, a a sabermetrics guy in, in Farhan Zayde. Do you, do you feel like uh, Boach is going to have a hard time kind of doing things that way?
1: Mm, I don't think it's going to be that tough. Cause I don't think boats are going to be there after. I, mean, I think after this season, he's going to probably go do something else. Or, or I don't, I don't, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see him going to manage the other ball club. I think that, I think managers of, of the, that era, you heard me mention Dick Williams. He's now Bruce Boach. He's one of those old school guys. And there's not many left. There's just, there's Joe Madden, you know, and show Walters done. He was one of them. Uh, it, mainly the younger guys who are implementing the, the mid man, you know, what, what the organization wants. They're more mid managers. So that's probably uh, where that, what that's going to go. And I think out of respect for boats, I, I, this new guy coming in understands who he is. And I've never, there's nobody in baseball that have said one bad word against uh, about this new man, new man coming in with right. the Giants. Right. That's, that's pretty hard. In our business, usually somebody hates you. There's nobody. There's nothing but there's nothing but great stuff that people are saying about him.
0: Uh, the Giants do look like, at least on some level, they're heading towards something that's very difficult to pitch to their fans, which is the word rebuild. And there seems like an openness because of his contract uh, to potentially trading Bumgarner. Is is that the the right or the wrong call? Uh, I think.
1: I think you need to see what, you, unless you're overwhelmed right now, and I don't think teams are going to be overwhelmed because he's at the end of the year of a contract to, to give up something that's going to change the world. But if in fact, your club still has some pieces to, to compete, you never know what the league's going to look like. The division's going to look like, you can always just stick him, hold on to him, and then he'll be valuable to a club. If in fact uh, he's not going to sign back, but all you got to do, and I've said this before, and I think it's already happened, just go ask Bumgardner, because he he'll be the first one. If you if you're not going to play to win, he probably doesn't want to be on that club anymore. I mean, these guys also are have have won three world championships, and when you taste that, you don't. You don't want to be a part of not trying to win. and And uh, you know. And, but they're in that situation up there where they've got to figure out which way they're going to go. And that happens when you win. That's just what cr- it cracks me up. Up there, they, and well, they go, well, where are the young players? They go, well, when you win a world championship, you draft 30th. You draft last. <laughs> when you come in last place, you not only draft first, the league pays for you to put Dude, this is how Houston got all their guys. This is how the Cubs got some of their great young players. They stuck for a lot of years, uh, and nobody went to the ballpark in, in Houston when they stuck. Well, see, that's hard to do in San Francisco because they still the the place is packed and they want to win. So, uh, you know, you, it's going to take time to get to get some of the young players that can core players like the Astros did. But you also can fill in with minor league free agents to, to get lucky. We did it. We, 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 that's how we got it. Andres Torres and uh, Ishikawa and the and, and uh, I mean, but there were so many guys that had great moments for us uh, in all three world championships. So there's, there's other ways to build as well. So I'm anxious to see what he can
0: do. Tim, this has been an absolute blast. I really appreciate you doing it. One more time, by the way, with the album coming out, where people can find it, where they can see you live, uh, give it out one more
1: time. Yeah, com. You can find out what we're doing there. Uh, you can hit the tour button, see where we're at. All of my music is on CD Baby and iTunes, and uh, and you can go org and see all of our merchandise, sweatshirts, and and every penny goes to to help others so uh thanks for thanks for having me on yeah. thanks
0: for the support for sure no my man thank you for doing it really appreciate you
1: all right buddy talk
0: to you all right now that you've completed another episode of ballers with babies and i thank you so much for that i invite you to check out another great podcast on the cast box platform the box of oddities hosted by husband wife team cat and jethro gilligan got amazing chemistry which is good because you know they're married Uh, They talk about anything unusual, true stories of the strange, bizarre, and unexpected, like the frozen, severed head of baseball legend Ted Williams, or a possible parallel universe. It's a lot of fun. Comes out twice a week, Monday and Thursday. They've even got a live show coming up next February in Nashville. Search and subscribe to the Box of Oddities now.